This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick, what's going on? Hey, John, it's like, it's just dealing with the, uh, the apocalyptic um, conditions out here in in sunny, um, sunny, smoky California and all. Oh, it's like, wow. It's not, it's not the end of the world, it just looks like it. Yeah, that's right. Just It has the appearance of it. That's not bad, I suppose. At least that's not the true end. So what do you have on tap for us tonight? Okay, tonight is I'm talking about one of my um, favorite writers, um, Kieran Gylan. It's like he's been just about knocked out of out of the park with like a lot of the series he's done, like for Marvel. Be it um, his work on Uncanny X-Men, Young Avengers, Iron Man, um, um, Darth, it's like Darth Vader, it's like Star Wars, and also his creator own work such as like such as Phonogram, Wicked. The Wicked and Divine. It's like, and most recently, um, Once in Future. And even when he doesn't, um, quite um, deliver something that is that is like truly great, like with say, um, like his, it's like his, uh, like you know, fan, fantasy gaming, um, series, uh, Die. It's like it's still, like it still enter- entertains. It still has like some entertainment, like to be gleaned, like in and of, in and of itself. I can respect the uh, work that went into it, even if it's just not quite clicking with me just, just yet. But, um. You know, it's like he, like all right, with all writers, all cr- all creators, like they don't just like they don't emerge like fully for- formed. Like they're, I tend to like like have to like claw their way up. You know, from from working on like you know random stuff like at at either Marvel Marvel or DC before they're given their shot at the like the brass ring. It's like, and in in Guylan's case, well, he's got a lot of um like assorted one shots and um two or three issue miniseries. It's like. In it, like in his back catalog that have been collected in scattershot form it's like like over the years but it's kind of like but with me it's like you know i'm not going to buy something just because oh like kieran gallen wrote like one or two issues of this as a thing of this thing nope like for me it's like i realized like it's just it's just just easier um to go on to a comiXology run a search for kieran gallen and single issues and um pick out you know all the random stuff that uh it's like that he's written for Marvel, you know, like from the beginning, and the very beginning was, uh, it's like was New Universal, 1959. This is a, a prequel to the uh, series written by a series from Warren Ellis and Salvador La Roca that reimagined um, Marvel's New Universe. It lasted um, like one one volume and two extra issues before before creative differences between, I guess, like uh, Ellis and and Marvel just put it put an end to it and it's like and uh well ellis's uh reputation is is in the toilet um charitably speaking these days he was responsible for getting um like um guylan like to write this um this one shot basically he just told marvel hey you know i want this new guy to like have a crack at this and so like we get we get we get the story with kieran guylan and artist greg scott talking about the early days of project spitfire the uh, government, it's like the government organization that's tasked with what with watching superheroes, and it starts off with the scene with um with Doctor Swan and Mister Voigt um interviewing one uh, Tony Stark and how he managed to come back from from Vietnam after building his, it's like was it Vietnam or was it um yeah Vietnam, it's like and um, how he managed to come back from Vietnam after building him himself a. Uh, it's like like an armored an armored suit. Well, it's like there. It's like it's all it's, it's all like standard for like you know Iron Man's origin, right up to the point where um it's like where Doctor Swan shoots Stark in the back of the head. 
because the U.S. government is not prepared to deal with this new with these new super superpowered char- characters. It's like these people they they represent a threat threat to us. It's like and and it's going to be our job to like figure out it's going to be their job to figure out a way to uh, it's like like to deal with them. So this is so this was a uh, this is an interesting um, almost nasty little little piece of work as it's showing you just how as it's like all about getting into Doctor Swan's mind mindset and just how he can it's like how he can rationalize just you know killing killing these these super these superheroes it's like and why he thinks they represent the greater good especially when it comes to the uh big um it's like the big um line crossing issue it's like at the it's like the end of the volume that would they would like tend to paint him as it's like as the villain of this piece but really it's like I think like the most successful thing is that it come that does paint him as someone who genuinely genuinely believes in in what he's doing, even if it's if it does cross like some pretty big moral lines. But as it is, I mean, it's like it's a decent enough um, prequel that like that does um, offer offer an explanation like to some of the uh, the new universal lore, such as such as it is in the sense that it t- talks about how we got the Spitfire protocols came about for how. How how um we're supposed to deal with how the government is supposed to deal with on um, the emergence of like of superpowered individuals. It's I mean overall it's a nice it's a fine one one shot, but it's but it's not something that I, I that I probably would have like I feel like I I should have read like you know years like um years when it first came out years ago. It's like because right because it's because to I me mean, it's good enough, but it's not um. I don't know, it's like it doesn't lacks like like real imagination or real snap that would be that make this like a true like a true hidden gem. Um, let's see, so moving randomly on it's like on the list, it's like well we've also got um, Revolutionary War, um, Dark Angel. It's like this is a uh, this is one of Marvel's like random events that they uh, decided they put together. It's like you know to spotlight certain characters. And in this case. It, Revolutionary War is all about spotlight, spotlighting Marvel UK characters, and um, Dark Angel. It's like she was um, she was a character whose dad was part, was big in this like uh, this this like evil like evil magical cabal known as Miss Tech. It's like and she it's like and she rebelled against him because you know she like even though because her, her dad was like big like big into ge- genocide and whatnot, and that. Second, that didn't that didn't sit well with her, so picks up with the character it's like in the in the modern day, having you know, after the one shot that basically had uh, from what I from what I can understand, um, Captain Britain coming to her house to re- recruit her, but then I'm um, running into Death's head and um, blowing a hole in her walls. They they got the hell out of there. She like when she finally come she finally comes to, she sees that um. Like she's trying to figure out what's going on, but oh, she's got to go to her um, morning job, which is basically um, bleeding out um, Mephisto for his sins. Okay, and then it's like then it comes back to her trying trying to figure out just you know like is Miss is Miss Tech coming back? Spoilers, it is. And oh, it turns out that um when when these guys have also like you know gone and made one of her what like one of her father's um it's like um like techno creations the uh the psych it's like the psycho pirate or what is it, psycho, psycho wraith um it's like 
like Psycho Wraith Prime, like made it into a uh, like an actual thing, and now it's coming to kill her. There's Gallen apparently wants is trying to tell a story about ha- how um, how the previous generation is saddled with the death, saddled like working through the deaths of the. Uh, of the, pre- of the previous one previous generation like in in very literal fashion here and there are some fun fun touches here like from the uh you know, from the from the demons that were that that were put into uh, robot robot bodies and they thought they were going to be able to like wreak havoc across the uh land but turns out that they this happened just as the mistech got shut down for the first time and they've just been rotting like in these like in these bodies ever since, and now they just want to die. And then there's um, Dark Angels, um, like very, it's like I'm um, very English, um, um, like I'm fortune tell fortune telling friend who's like is who's got a very very blithe and like um like stiff upper lip take on a lot of the uh, craziness that that she finds herself in. It's it's admirable that he's trying to uh, like tell like a self contained story it's like in the space of this um like crossover. But overall, it's just like just too much going on in here for for it to really work. It's like it's, it's like I can I can appreciate like the effort, but it just but it just doesn't quite work. So this is this is one one of his uh, efforts that in this it's like in this recap that you can probably safely skip. Um, another one that was that was that falls solidly in the uh, fine category and also features Mephisto is um, the mystic hands of Dr. Strange. This is a random one shot that was um, released. Um, probably would surprise you to learn that it was released in 2016, you know, around the time or just before the uh, Dr. Strange movie came, came out. It's got um, Guylin, um working with artist Frazier Irving. It's like in a story called the cure, which, which basically has, um, has, has strange lamenting that, like the state of the world and how it's like just and how he wishes he could be doing more to help it as the sorcerer supreme and then he witnesses a uh it's like a like a rich man just suddenly get out of his car it's like um give give away all of his money and his it's like and his fancy clothes to the pe- people around him and like all strange is like is um initially touched by this but by this display is like apparent self selflessness when he gets home he finds that clea has a put on like a, has put on like a Oh, what, what is it? Um, uh, some, some stocking over her, over her face, and it's loading a gun. It's about to uh, go out and rob a bank, like in order to help disrupt the system. This is when he realizes that, hmm, maybe this like display of altruism isn't what it appears to be. This is, this is what leads him to a, it's like, it's like to a san, to a sanitarium to, uh, to to pass himself off as insane by describing the uh, current current origin of the like of the marvel universe and his place within it it's like and and to find out that someone has apparently been damning souls in order to uh, get the power he needs in order to make the world right again and well strange realizes that okay well what am i gonna have to do it's like in order like what is the right course of action here i mean this guy does seem to have like you know want to make the world a better place but he's going about it in the uh it's like in a way that's just just not right. So, well, I probably don't have to tell you what um, what Strange ultimately decides on as the answer to that thing there, that question. But um, there is a, it's like, like as as is the case with, um, with like Strange stories that you know it's like it's you can't really have like a uh, like have them like just like out 
like uh, magic the other guy. No, when uh, Mephisto was involved, there's got to be some like cleverness, like a like a inventive reading reading of the uh, contracts or just how like how the uh, how their terms are meant to be in- interpreted, and that's what we get here. So it's so it's it's fine and all, and even though it's um. And like the Arthur Fraser Irving is nice, and it's also in black and white. All the stories here are, and well, you know, and much as I like Fraser Irving's um, like work in general, I have to admit that um, I think that his work is probably probably better suited for cover color in the sense that it does a better job of bringing out the uh, inherent spookiness of his like of his style. Oddly, black and white just doesn't seem to do it as much for me, but. The story, this um, this collection also features um, shorts from Peter Milligan and Frank Brunner, Ted McKeever, and uh, Mike Carey and Mar- Marcos Martin, and you know they're all right. But you know it's like I wouldn't say it's like, but I mean it's 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 a good I guess it's a decent value for um like for your money. It's like considering this, this cost me like what I think like two or three bucks. So there you go. It's I mean it's it's all right, but. You know, nothing that makes you go, wow, that was, that was so great. I needed, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I finally got the chance to read this. Um, but just as, uh, you know, that's, that one, that one off was um, produced for the Doctor Strange movie. I'm pretty sure that this, this one, um, Captain America and Batrock the Leaper, um, one shot was, um, done in advance of like, um, Batrock's appearance in, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And if you're one going, well, wait a second. I don't remember Batrock the Leaper showing up in um, the Winter Soldier. I would have. We all would have known if Batrock had shown up. Well, yeah, he did show up. You're, if you remember the guy that um, Captain America goes hand to hand with, it's like on the sh- on the ship deck at the beginning of the film. That was um, George's ba- George Batrock. That that was Batrock the Leaper. But he's just like divested of all of his of uh, insuffer- insufferable stereotypic Frenchness. It's like and his. And his um, over-the-top costume as well. So there you go. But as far as far as the one shot goes, well, Guylin um does a good job of of, of squaring um like um Batroc's um like showmanship and his and his like overbearing Frenchness. It's like it's like in this this one-off with um, art by Renato Arlem. Um, he portrays like um like um Batroc's you know personality is just more of a kind of an like. It's more of an act, just something that he, that it's kind of like his, uh, it's like, it's like how he handles, how he carries himself when he goes, when he goes to work. And that was, and that's kind of actually, and that's actually kind of like, I'm um, kind of fun for the most part because it, because it, um, it, it gives the character a bit, like some, some needed depth as you, as you see him, you know, like working, like working the angles. It's like in, it's like after he's recruited, um, to, um, fight Captain America. Now he doesn't know this, but he just, He's not told this specifically, but he just knows it from the uh, amount of money that he's offered. And then we see and we see him preparing for this battle by um going like by going through by, by running running over the French French rooftops to secure secure his route, and also it's like and also like um mouthing off to some of the uh, mercs that that he's been hired hired to protect because you know they like they're like oh man why did we hire like fucking Batrock man it's like and well. He gives them a pretty pretty good rundown in the sense that hey, you know, no, I have not um won against Captain America, but um I have fought him and I have like lived and I've lived to tell, talk about it. It's like 
and that's your that's basically what you're hiring me for. You are hiring me to be to fight him and to be be a diversion. And you know that's and without giving away too much, it's like it's it's all about you know how bat like like Batrock just like kind of lives to fight um Captain America in the sense that you know like this is how he proves it's like like proves his worth. Just realizing that um hey you know it's like it's like it's, it's like this is. Like he's he's like the best. Like Captain America is like the best. Is like the best there is. And if I can just like fight, if I can just fight him like like to a draw, it's like then that's actually, like that's actually a win for me. It's like it's a nice, it's a nice take on, on the character, like on the character that I was I wasn't expecting. It's like and so it was, you know, this is overall pretty fun. And it's also got a backup um story featuring a, uh, featuring a Stanley Jack Kirby um story. Captain America story fight featuring Batrock, but um, overall, you know, definitely, definitely not bad for what it was. It's like worth um, worth buying on its own terms, mm, maybe. But um, then you've got uh, it's like much more uh, goofier um stuff with uh, with um World War Hulk's Spider-Man versus Thor. Um, this is a tie into uh, the Hulk Out Heroes event where. And this is back when um, this is back during the Jeff Loeb um, Hulk era, when apparently like a whole bunch of heroes got um, Hulk Hulk out into like like Hulk versions of themselves. And this is about the story time that that Thor and Spider Man were on their way to infiltrate some floating fortress over Washington D.C. They get they get Hulk out, and then it leads them to uh, it's like um, like fight off some like fight off some mercs who've been Hulked out as well. It's like there's yes, there's lots of hulking out here, and it's and on one hand it it is like aggressively dumb, but aggressively dumb in ways that I I like that can appreciate in the sense that you've got you know Spider-Man like as a as a as a dumb Hulk version of himself wanting to go go visit the uh, go visit the Smithsonian since they're right since they're right there in it's like in D.C. and Hulk and sorry and Thor just being angry at Spider at, at Spider-Man for just like not wanting to. To uh, like to help them fight off these like like it's like these hold out Marines and the present day scenes where they're just like talking about how like yammering on about each other it's like well it's like Thor like Thor like hidden Spider Man's like like say say Thor strongest Spider Man goes Thor Thor smell strongest it's gleefully all their interactions are gleefully dumb like that but they also have but they also feature um like flashback scenes where, where Spider-Man remembers the first time he went to, uh, it's like to the Smithsonian with, um, it's like with mixed results as he managed to even get bullied there at a gathering of nerds. And Thor remembers the time that, that he, um, that his dad ordered, ordered him to like, you know, have like, um, bring Loki along, like in one of their, um, like play, like, um, plays against like, 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 uh, uh, play. What am I saying? Like, um, when they're playing war with like the other, with some of the other Asgardians, it's like, and, uh, it's like, and Thor like is not having, is not really happy with how Loki like really has no interest in doing this at all. So in amongst the uh, dumbness, there's, there's a nice, there's some nice, like, um, like character work being done, be done with these characters, with these two. It's like, and it's, it's like, and it results in a a series that in, in like, um, it's like in this, in a two-parter, that's kind of, Excuse me. That's overall kind of fun. It's like 
it's kind of fun. The balance balances dumbness in one hand with with um, earned sentimentality in the other, and the art from Jorge Molina, who illustrates most of um, like like this two parter, is pretty is pretty nice as well. It leans towards more um, animated um, cartoony leanings, and it's a side that I'd like to see him like invest in more. It's like like in his work. Oh, and also these. These two issues also contain like a backup from Chris Eliopoulos, it's like and Patrick Sherberger. Basically, it show us like Holtok versions of Iceman and like Coloss and uh, Cyclops um, working out their um, it's like their own issues. So specifically, how Colossus regards Iceman as kind of like a um, no good cut up, and Iceman regards Cyclops as just kind of like a uh, st- like um, overly strict stick in the mud. It's like it's kind of it's kind of fun, but it's kind of but it's also kind of like the uh, like the main story, like in shorter in shorter miniature. So that's cool. But um, but speaking of the X Men, well, it's like Kylan has like a long like, sense of history with them as well, and he even contributed to their to the um, to the run of um, X Men Origins, um, it's like um one shots that were that Marvel was doing for a while. It's like it's like about, about a decade ago. Um, and he went up with the plum, it's like with um, getting one of the uh, juicier ones in the sense that he gets to retell um, Sabretooth's origin. So it starts off with um, him, it's like with Sabretooth, um, like getting angry at his brother for um, not sharing the pie during, like during his birthday. And then he just, and he winds up just like, you know, like fighting, fighting his brother and just biting him in the neck. And this causes his, his parents to uh, like chain him to the, um, to the basement. Because, you know, hey, the kid's crazy. And he's also got these devil teeth that keep growing back, no matter how many times his dad pulls them out. And while um while Creed's mother, like like she's like she talks about how, you know, like how your dad's so scary. I mean, I, this is awful, but I just can't go against him. And in probably one of like the best um like moments like four it's the best saber tooth moments I've read, to be honest. Like when like Creed does. Creed basically tells her, "It's like, no, don't be scared of Dad. Be scared of me." <laughs> that sends her right out, and well, probably don't need to tell you that. Like Creed eventually finds his way out there, and what he does to his parents, well, you can probably guess. But from there, it's basically we get to see see him meeting up with Wolverine for the first time. They're falling out after like Creed kills Sabretooth on. Sorry, Creed kills um Silver Fox on. It's like on a it's like on Logan's birthday that basically sets them at odds for it's like like for most most of their run it's like even after like even after they've been mind mind up a couple times by um like by the team x program yeah in fact it's like there's a uh, like it it does seem like even though like even with these uh mind wipes it's like like creed's um desire to just torment um like Logan on his birthday which is one of the one of their like divinely character Finding traits of the it's like these two guys, it's like they it's it's like it's like it, it keeps um it's like it keeps coming coming out or like over the years and it also like like pairs up well against the overall the general idea it's like the general defining like um it's like uh, idea behind these these two guys and that like Sabretooth is got is. It's like is it's like is the Pharaoh murderer who like embraces like his worst impulses, and um Logan, it's not that he doesn't have these impulses, but he's the guy who's determined to be like to be better than them. That's that's why they're never like going going to see eye. It's like eye to eye. Why they're always going to be 
it's like it's like going to be like antagonistic toward towards each other. And I think um, Galen and artist Dan Panosian do a good job of flesh, fleshing this out. Um, it's something uh, it took me like a, like a reread to really like to really appreciate you know what, what how they how they did that. But the uh, but the other problem is that with with this, I mean, the big one is that if you've read um, Gylan's, um Origin Two, it's like his like his follow up to uh, like Wolverine's um, Origin series from Paul Jenkins and Andy Kubert. Um, well, you might recall that that the whole like um, Sabretooth um, Wolverine um, blood feud started um, when it's like when um, Wolverine, uh, or sorry, when when Logan um, killed like um, killed Creed's brother, and well, it's like looking at that. Well, that's not what happened. What, what? That's not what happens here. And I come. It just feels odd for this, like, um, for uh, it's like for Galen to make this, make like this, like big, con- like um, continuity error, like with stories that he wrote himself. It's like, so it's weird. So even though it's like, so it's very distracting. But overall, the story story is quite good, and uh, that brings us to. Um, the most substantial, um, like um, like a uh, run of stories on this list, the one that actually like has a collected edition that um, I didn't realize it. It's like it really existed until like I I was like searching for this and I realized, hey, you know, it's like it's not just like one one shot. It's like a whole volume of sto- stuff. It's like it's a volume of stories about Beta Ray Bill, the uh, like the ho- horse-headed alien, the Corbinite who um, became Thor's oath brother. After he proved himself to be worthy of Mjolnir, um, it's like in his first appearance during the Walt, Walt Simonson run. So this this um this collection basically it's like basically involved clicks on um, like two different stories. One is a one shot um, that was given like the Secret Invasion aftermath branding because it involves um um Bill um meeting up uh, getting involved with some scrolls who it's like who are like who are on the run, like have, after being broken with, like, like they are basically like holy warrior. These these scrolls are originally holy warriors fighting in the name of their their god, only to realize that you know this god didn't have their best interests in at heart. So they decided, okay, it's like you know we're we're leaving, and then we realize that yeah, you know it's like this beta ray bill guy. It's like he is a he is a god who is. It's like it's like like who's a he's a god without a people and we are people without a god this seems like a good like like a good match we can make together well it's like it it's like and that's it's an interesting point but the problem is that um bill was tortured um by it's like by this it's like by the scroll so he's not really inclined to help them out until the uh like the other holy warriors the ones that remain faithful to the scroll like to the scroll um god's come looking for them and they um bring some of their like like their own um like super scroll um asgardian um like it's like an and an asgardian super scroll that they created like through gathering some gathering some dna from certain members of thor's uh it's like um like thor's friends and uh well let's just say that it's it's a combination that basically involves a, a pun that um gylan was like really does no doubt deeply amused by and it makes for, but it does make for a for an inspired like antagonist for this for the story overall you know it's it's not bad it's like i mean it's like it, does, it tells us a little bit more about 
it's like it's like a, a like about Bill and hopes and does like maybe like move like like um move the needle with his uh, relationship with these with scrolls like in in a different direction which is nice but um the main story which um which this uh volume take takes its uh takes um its name from is God Hunter and um it's a three issue story that basically has um Bill um like looking at exact some vengeance on the per- on the on the being that um that killed like almost like like his entire people the makes left him in, like the la- like the last um surviving corbinite in the galaxy so who who is the um being that um that did this none other than galactus so bill is looking to uh it's exact some payback on it's like on the devourer and um well he's not and he's not dumb enough to just try and like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go and find this weapon to, uh, like kill Galactus. No, no. Bill's idea is to, it's like, is to just destroy the planets, um, that Galactus wants to feed on before he can feed. Basically he's just going to try and starve Galactus like, like to death. And, and so that's, that's a nice, like it's it's a nice like um setup for a story right there. It's like and it also involve and also has um like has Bill like resorting to some underhanded means in order to uh it's like it's like in order to get people um like at like there are some some races like I mean, most of the planets like that in this in this story that Galactus is trying to feed on are just um like empty or like the the uh, people have like fleed have fleed from them, but um. Like for those that haven't, well, Bill's, you know, he's he's looking at the whole, like, uh, like the ends justify the means here. But the problem is that you know when he's like been um granted his own hammer by by Thor, by Odin, um Stormbreaker. Well, the, you know he's been a worthy guy. That but what happens when like you know but is you know like uh ends justifies the means approach. Like is is that really worthy? So so it gets a. It's like it's a nice it's a nice story. It's like and I think if you if you like um bit like um Beta Ray Bill, it's like then then you'll appreciate this here. And Garland does come up with some interesting ideas behind um one of the uh, alien races that um Bill um Bill butts heads with like over the course of this like volume. So so overall it's like it's fun it's like it, it's nice. I mean all of these uh stories that I've read, they've been like I mean, they're good. They're, they're good, you know, like fine to good, really. But um, I was kind of my uh, hope here was that I was that you know this is like I was going to get like lots of good stuff that I that I would argue like hey you know this should be put in a volume of like uh, Kieron Guyland's marvelous miscellany, and you know because like because I, I love the guy the guy's writing so much, and I figured like hey you know it's like a whole volume of this of his of his work it's like you know that should be. Like I would definitely pay to read that, but barring that, you know, I can just go out and buy these from Comixology. But reading these, you know, I mean, it's like it's a reminder that you know, that, that you know, even though that even your favorite writer can't um, hit hit everything out of the park every single time, and that you know, it's like there are times when, like that, that you know, it's like all like all writers still kind of have to uh, you know work like um, like work their way up. Like in like in the grand moral fashion, so in the sense that you know sometimes they just can't, they're not they have to like like prove their worth. It's like with um 
like with other with these with stories like these to like show that hey you know you're worthy of something something better and you know fortunately for us like marvel was happy enough with what it's like with what um Garland did with these stories that they gave him his shots on it's like on these it's like on 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 series like Un- uncanny x-men and iron iron man and young avengers so so yeah it's like these these stories were were worth it in that regard and um but overall it's like um i think i don't think that um that these uh, the any of these um stories represent represents like you know essential like um missing hidden gems like for like for fans of the creator it's like it's kind of like if you're if you're completist who will read like anything that he does then yeah it's like you'll get some enjoyment out of this but everyone else uh, I don't know. I don't think that the general public is missing out too much um, for, if they've if they've not read any of these one sh- one shots or sacred mini series. Still, it was nice to be able to just you know um, pluck them from like um, from Comicsology. It's like and not have to pay. Uh, it's like um, like pay for the volumes that they were it's like they were a part of. So so that that was nice. And so yeah, overall it's like it's one like these. Like um th- like these issues and and me series are are more for the for the completest um Kieran Gylan than you know I guess like the casual um like fan of the writer, so there you go. And uh, oh, so John, I guess um any thoughts on your end about any of these? No, um really one um when were most of these written? I mean that's kind of what I was curious about. Yeah, I. Th- uh, Without, you mentioned like, uh, you mentioned one at least one time frame, um, the Jeffalo like Hulk uh, kind of. Yeah, it's like uh, without having to like dive in specifically to uh, look, look back in specifically to when all of these were published. I think most of the most of these came out between say twenty. I'd say twenty ten to twenty sixteen. All right, cool. So, um, well, um, I would like to ask you what you are going to cover next time, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, because well, uh, I'm still waiting on that final volume of uh, East of West, and if it does arrive in time for for the next podcast, then I will be very supply- surprised. I'll be very pleased too. But um, chances are, it's probably not. But the good news is, like I did get my hands on something that that definitely warrants um, it's like I'm um, further talking about, it, and that is the latest volume of um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Criminal, um, subtitled well. It's not given a proper volume number for this series, but it's basically volume eight. But it's basically um, "Cruel Summer," the big, like the big storyline that that dominated their um, most recent run of, like of Criminal. And I'll be talking about that as well as just like looking at all the stories that influenced it over the course of the series' um, seven volume run to this point. Okay. Well, I guess we'll all be surprised <laughs> depending on what comes in your mailbox, and we'll catch you <laughs> next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right. Later.